You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Just about an hour away from week number nine of the college football season. Joe Lisi, Ritz, Sermonello talking top 25 battles. But before we do that, here at Fantasy Sports Radio Network and Television Network, we've partnered up with a great organization. It is DKMS, looking to delete blood cancer. It's been an organization and a cause that's very close to Rich and I. We've spoken about it in recent weeks. I was diagnosed with blood lymphoma back in 2001, along with my father, uh, we're doing great things here, and DKMS Rich is doing a great cause in terms yeah. of looking to delete blood cancer and get donors across the nation. The collaboration allows our audience to go in, play free fantasy football games, and at the same time, potentially save a life. I mean, this is serious stuff that we're talking about. How often in life do you get this dual opportunity to do something fun, play fantasy football, uh, have your rivals, you know, bragging rights with your friends, but at the same time, do it through DKMS, which is attacking blood cancer, so you could save a life and also win Super Bowl tickets. Yeah, playing a great game in terms of fantasy sports. If you want to log on, do it right now. That's DKMS.org or go to DailyRoto.com backslash DKMS. That's DailyRoto.com backslash DKMS or go to RotoExperts.com backslash DKMS. You can join, play, win. There's weekly winners. You'll be entered into the weekly contest for Super Bowl tickets in Minneapolis, or you could call 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-6879. Join, play, and win. Doesn't get better than that. Rich, we were talking about a Big 12 battle. We'll turn our attention to a marquee Pac-12 battle, USC on the road in Tempe against Arizona State. This is an Arizona State team that has stepped up and got a dominating road win over Utah. I think it continues later today. I, I was dead wrong on USC and on the road now in Tempe. This is this is a hornet's nest as well. You and I agree on this one. The Pac-12 South, which looked like it might have been predictable, USC and everybody else, now the two Arizona teams with shots to really make a case today. Arizona against Washington State, Arizona State against USC, and it has been defense. Who expected that? When you looked at Arizona State in September, it didn't look like they'd be a defensively-led squad, but their coordinator, Phil Bennett, doing a tremendous job of dialing up the pressure, and that's the reason why I like ASU in this game. If you watch the offensive line, of USC last week in South Bend was completely dominated by the Irish, gave up 10 tackles for loss, five sacks. Now they go up against that active, frenetic ASU defensive line. I think Sam Darnold's going to be running for his life throughout the afternoon in Tempe. That's a great point. You mentioned Arizona State from a defensive perspective. In 2016, this was the worst secondary in college football, ranked 128th out of 128 teams, uh, allowing 357 passing yards per game over the last three games. They're only allowing 156 passing yards to opposing offenses. To me, that's the difference Look for the Sun Devils to get the victory at home. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the top 25 battles. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Joe Lisi, Ritz, Sermonello, talking a little Pac-12 football. We're talking USC, Arizona State. I brought up the secondary of Arizona State, Rich, but it's not just the secondary. It is the front seven that's playing very well in run support over in recent weeks. Over the last four games, Arizona State's held opposing offenses to 12 of 46 third down conversions. That's 26% heading into this battle. And when you look at the, uh, uh, I want to say, pedestrian offense of USC in recent weeks, I mean, this is a tough matchup for Sam Darnold on the road. Very good front seven. I always worry about the Arizona State secondary. Not a great defensive backfield. You touched in the last segment on some of the numbers, but Tashawn Smallwood, DJ Calhoun, Christian Sam, these are really good, athletic, not the biggest uh, linemen and linebackers, but very, very active group against a USC offensive line, Joe, that is fading fast. I love Sam Darnold. Think he'll make a great pro, whether he comes out early next season or this season is regardless at this point. But the way they played against Notre Dame, that offensive line, I think Phil Bennett will dial up the pressure. It's going to be a very difficult game. It's put up or shut up time for USC. They have not met expectations. I think they're still down. I think they're still beaten from that game against Notre Dame. And Arizona State at home, they realize what's at stake. With a victory today, they could take over control of the Pac-12 South. Yeah, and he's a coach that was on the hot seat in Todd yeah. Graham entering this year. I mean, they were 5-7 and seven last year. It is back-to-back row games for USC. That's a concern, like Rich mentioned. And here's the other concern for USC in this ballgame. From a physicality perspective, they wore down. They quit in that ballgame against Notre Dame. Brandon Winbush, they could not shut down the run. And when you look at last week on the road in Rice Echo Stadium, Balaj got going, Richard got going. That offensive line for Arizona State played very well. And Manny Wilkins, say what you will, he's he's a solid quarterback. He's mobile. He's completing 66% of his passes, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. But he's playing within the system. And to me, that's the difference later today. He's playing with confidence, Joe. I think this entire team is playing with confidence. Side note, I usually don't like different uniforms, but Pat Tillman-inspired uniforms. That That is today. Pat Tillman-inspired uniforms for Arizona State, so throw that in as well. This is a great opportunity for ASU. I think they're going to take advantage of it. You know, USC, if they lose this game, where do they go from here? I mean, if they're on the outside looking in for the Pac-12 South, and oh, by the way, ASU, we talked about Utah last week. I mean, they, they defensively, at least, they dominated Washington, who could still be the best team in the Pac-12. So I like where this team is heading. Two teams headed in opposite directions. I think that continues later on today. Yeah, I think it's a 9.30 kick in Tempe, so check it out. Rich and I both like the underdog. USC has won the last two by 20 points or more in that rivalry game, so check it out a little bit later tonight. We'll stick in the SEC West, a classic battle. Nick Fitzgerald on the road in College Station to face 
Kevin Sumlin and the Aggies. I like the way Mississippi State is playing. They're coming off a dominating home win over Kentucky last week, 45-7, to Rich. I think it, I think it continues later today on the road. Well, I, I like Texas A&M. I, I love this matchup, though. It's not Auburn. It's not Alabama. It's not next week Alabama-LSU. But in terms of an SEC West undercard to Week 10 in Tuscaloosa, this is a great matchup between a pair of five and two teams. You know, they're not going to win the division, Joe, but they really have an opportunity to help out their cause in terms of where they wind up bowl-wise. And for Kevin Sumlin, I mean, how big is this game? If he has an opportunity to get to 6-2, and two, close loss to Alabama, the troubling opening day collapse against UCLA, but they've regrouped very nicely. I love the defense of Texas A&M. Kellen Mond, their quarterback, that'll be a key for A&M. Better skill position players in Christian Kirk and Travion Williams. So I think a more complete team. I respect that win over Kentucky. Didn't think it would be so easy. I like Nick Fitzgerald and the defense that Dan Mullen, Todd Grantham has assembled. But I like Texas A&M in a very hard-fought, very close game. Yeah, I think it is the mobility and the leadership of Nick Fitzgerald in this ball game. To me, even though they're on the road, I mean, you look at Kelamani, he's completing 53% of his passes, but it's not just the offense of Mississippi State in this ball game. It is the front seven that's holding opposing offenses to right around 127 rushing yards per game, and the secondary rich playing very well, holding opposing quarterbacks to 158 passing yards per game. You have a young quarterback in Kellen Mond. They're going to force him to beat them over the top, and that's why I like the Bulldogs in this matchup. Joe, Mississippi State, when they've played tough road games this season, were not even competitive. That's a concern of mine. Outside of Starkville, they were not a good team. When they had a chance to shine and really impress, didn't happen. And then in terms of pressure, now Nick Fitzgerald doesn't throw it a ton, run first offense, run first quarterback, but A&M tied for the nation's lead with 28 sacks. So again, that defense under John Chavis has really started to gel. They're starting to amp up the pressure, get into opposing backfield. So I like where Kevin Sumlin has this team headed before the break, before the bye week, bye week team. So they've had two weeks to prepare as well. Before the bye, close wins. Gutty wins, gut check. I think this team is beginning to grow up, but but it's a pivot game for both teams. That's why I'm so interested. It's kind of, you know, a B-tier game on this weekend with big games, but somebody's going to get to 6-2 and two and become bowl eligible. It's a yeah. big game. That's a great point. I mean, here's the thing for Texas A&M. We've seen this out of this program now where they start fast and in the second half of the year they right. fall and lose ball games and end the year at 8-5 and five or in that area over recent years. If he loses this ball game at home, especially coming off the 19-17 to 17 win in Gainesville, a gutty victory. I was wrong on that one. You got me with uh, Texas A&M yeah. in that matchup. Do we start to hear the pressure again of Kevin Sumlin? I don't think that pressure is going to go away. And and I'm not sure if there's a number that's affixed to Kevin Sumlin in terms of what he needs to hit. I think this is more of a booster situation. I think it's more of an internal situation. Is there a candidate that's out there that Texas A&M really has to get to College Station in order to move the program forward? I think it would be a mistake. I, I know he's... He's kind of treaded water. You touched on it. First halves are strong. Second half of the seasons are horrible. But I think Kevin, I think to make a change right now, who's the slam dunk candidate out there that is clearly going to be Kevin Sumlin? I've mentioned Chad Morris. I like what he's doing at SMU. Mustangs became bowl eligible with a win last night uh, over Tulsa. But 
are, are we convinced that getting a Chad Morris is clearly going to be better over Kevin Sumlin? I'm not ready to say that. So I think if he gets to that eight-win plateau, I think he's back at Texas A&M wow. in 2018. We'll see how that plays out. It is an 8 o'clock kick. It is in College Station. Rich likes A&M. You, you're calling for a double-digit victory? I think, I, I think, think it's a very close game. So, you? no, I won't say double-digit. I think this will be – you know what? Wouldn't shock me if this was an overtime game. I think really? it's that close of a wow. game between these two teams. I could see Mississippi State eking out a 10-point game. I could see a three, seven points, and then a late score in the fourth quarter to knock them over the edge. I just think they're the more complete team. You have a young quarterback in Kellen Mom, but we'll see how it plays out. Here's a Pac-12 battle. It is UCLA and Josh Rosen on the road in Seattle to face Jake Browning and the crew coming off that disappointing loss in Tempe two weeks ago, 13 13- to seven they've had an extra week to prepare here for ucla i mean this is a defense that i think will be really chomping after josh rosen and when you look at ucla's defense yes they got the win over oregon rich but they're allowing 303 rushing yards per game to opposing offenses this is a physical blue collar team in washington i think washington wins this ball game by 40 points Wow, 40. Well, I, it's one of my best bets. I, I think Washington covers the number for all of the reasons it's that you touched mine, on. It's not one of mine, but... Yeah, no, I mean, if you haven't won by 40, it should be. Yeah, I just... Uh, that's because a, that's it's a Josh Rosen, victory. that's yeah. the only thing. Well, Rosen's the one X factor, but I listen, Washington reminds me at this stage of the season similar to Clemson, right? A loss that was unexpected. Now it's time to regroup. You've had the bye week. Chris Peterson will have his kids ready. That's a very good defense. The loss against Arizona State had nothing to do with the defense. So I think they'll dominate at the line of scrimmage against UCLA. And in terms of the run defensive of UCLA, over 300 yards a game, you 303. Said, 6.1 yards per carry. So Miles Gaskin, LaVon Coleman, I think they'll have huge games gashing that UCLA defense. So I think this will be a four-touchdown victory. I think Washington makes a statement that, listen, tap the brakes on other teams taking our spot. We're still the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, and you talk about the front seven of Washington. They're holding opposing offenses to 74 rushing yards per game. You look at the UCLA's offense, they're still one-dimensional, only rushing for 121 rushing yards per game. They're going to force Josh Rosen to beat them over the top. If they can't run the football, they're going to be forced third down in the long situations and look for Chris Peterson's crew to dial up blitz packages to get pressure. And again, that defense for Washington has been, despite losing a lot of players to the NFL, has been every bit as good as last season's addition. So Josh Rosen's going to experience a lot of pressure. And again, to your point, one-dimensional offense, they don't run the ball well. So in terms of you know, taking some pressure off of Washington, kind of giving them something to, to, to debate in terms of run-pass option doesn't exist for UCLA. They'll put a lot of pressure on Rosen today. Well, I will say, I'm going out on a limb. If UCLA loses this game, you're going to hear Jim Mora in terms of coaching hires and on the hot seat. They need to step up and play physical. When we come back, we'll be joined by former Miami running back Melvin Bratton. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. 
products. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Miami's on the road in Chapel Hill facing North Carolina, but in week number 10, they do face Virginia Tech. If you want to talk hurricanes, you reach out to a former star for the program. He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. I want to welcome in former Miami Hurricanes running back, Melvin Bratton. Mel, how are you today? With the players that we bring in like that, so it's perfect. Mel, can you hear us? Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Miami undefeated. They got the swag back. Talk to us about what Mark Richt has done to get this program to where it is on the road today in, in Chapel Hill. Well, you know what, Mark? I was there last weekend. We had our 30th anniversary, and uh, we got a chance. I'm sorry for the noise in the background. But, uh, yeah, we had our 30th anniversary uh, last weekend when Jimmy Johnson was there, all the former coaches, Dave Campo, I mean, you name it. We had a great turnout, but it's just the camaraderie that he's allowing to bring back the former players. You got the Mike Irvins, the Ray Lewis's of the world. You get bringing that, you know, Warren Sapps went in the Ring of Fame a couple weeks ago. So we're he's allowing us to embrace that. And these kids watch Thirty for Thirty. They've seen the U. They understand the mindset. So this team right now is really dangerous. I mean, we got we got a couple of tests coming up. You know, saying today North Carolina, that, that's a dangerous game. But we also have Virginia Tech coming up and also Notre Dame with a, with a mobile quarterback, which we struggle a little bit. But they're doing a good job right now because this team, there's no superstars on this team as of yet. So he's a blue collar type kid that's really that's in the light, and they don't they they got ice in their veins, and I love it. Where does that come from, Mel? I mean, is that something that a coaching staff can teach to its kids, or does it just kind of organically develop as they win close game after close game? Well, you know, the thing is, we always felt, you know, saying that we're never out of game. So with Mark being a former Kane, he's actually implemented that mindset that he played with Jim Kelly as, a, as his backup. So he's actually, you know, saying a player coach in a sense – that's bringing that attitude, but he is allowing the, the former players to be on the sidelines, to be at the practices, whatever. And guys like Toba Bain, Alonzo Highsmith, they're coming back and they're talking one-on-one of it. They've actually showed film and video of our 87 uh, team you know, and, and showing the mindset. Uh, that uh, Diaz, the defensive coordinator, he's showing the defensive mindset and showing exactly how we played. So if you're seeing that and implementing bringing that type of style of play into the deal the kids are buying into it so I, I, I kudos kudos to him to really implement that Mel you mentioned battle tested they played close games against Georgia Tech and Florida State but how important was it to get that victory in Tallahassee they snapped a seven game losing streak over Florida State and more importantly taking the monkey off their back and more importantly a young quarterback in Malik Rozier you know what? Uh, everybody's upset. You know, saying uh, I take more crap. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I take more crap. I told Mark Rick. I said I take more crap. You being a former Georgia coach now, but that that to break that, you know, saying that whole that whole curse of the seven years, it has been. You know, that that's the milestone. That's the next turn. So those kids right then after that game, even though they didn't have their starting quarterback, I wanted him in the game because I don't want the the Florida State. You know, saying people that's listening. Say, oh, they beat us because we had a young quarterback. No, no, it's, it's Hurricane versus Florida State football. No matter, stars are born on that field. 
So for them to go ahead and break that, to go up there to do what they did, I mean, it shows the character of that team. And these guys are ice in their veins, man. They don't care. I mean, they're going to continue to fight towards the end. They, they call them the Cardiac Canes now, so that, I like the name. Mel, I, 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 uh, I grew up uh, watching the Canes in the 80s and the 90s. I mean, some of the greatest uh, college football teams in the history of the sport. It, it, can that be an intimidating specter at times? You know, we hear it a lot like, oh, Miami's back. But, I mean, can Miami ever get back to the level it was at during its heyday? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, is it right now today? Uh, no, we, we have some work to do. But the recruiting class that Mark is putting together and these kids are coming in, they're believing. You know what I'm saying? We have you know Al Blaze, Benny Blaze, and Brian's uh, nephew coming in. Uh, so the recruiting process is bringing in the mindset of a lot of the former guys' sons and family members. So that, that mindset, these kids grew up, you know what I'm saying, they didn't, wasn't born at the time when we were doing what we were doing, but they're seeing the video. They're seeing uh, the, the, when they walked the halls, you know what I'm saying, they're seeing all the pros the various teams. I was so impressed when I went back inside the building last week. I didn't realize we had that many guys in the league that's throughout the country. So those guys see that every day to see uh, Edwin James, uh, you know, come back, John Beeson. Uh, Edwin James has a room. He donated $250,000 to the school. So those type of things right there are really important that these kids want to play at that level and not to let us down. And I think that's what it is. The mindset has changed. Mel, when you look at Miami as a whole, back when you played, it wasn't just the offense. It was dominant defensive players. And you have a young defense now that got a lot of freshmen involved last year. How important was it for Mark Richt and the, and the coaching staff to get those players involved as freshmen and sophomores to see the residual effects of what we're seeing this year in 2017? Well, that's part of coming to Miami. I mean, you, you microwave until a situation. You know, Bernard Clark started his first game and was MVP of the national championship game. So we don't care if you're, you're a high schooler coming in, whatever. You're primed to come in that door to be able to be that. So the mindset for those kids to come in, they expect to start. If a kid came to the University of Miami and think he's going to be a backup, you know, I mean, he should go somewhere else. So you, you're coming in to compete. I got upset when they redshirted me. I, I wanted to transfer because I felt like it was an insult to me to put me on a bench to redshirt. I'm like, redshirt? What, what do you mean? These guys are better than me. And Lonzo Hoshman was my roommate, and I told him as a roommate, if you get hurt, you might well transfer because you'll never get back on the field anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take your position. And this is my best friend. That That's the kind of attitude, I guess, you need to be successful at Miami, right? Very much so, yeah. And that's, that's our mindset. And that would be arrogant and cocky, but that is the mindset that we implemented, and, that, and that's the way I, I go day-to-day as far as life and business today the same way. What 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 else does this team need to do? They they've reached a certain level of success, but what's next for this team to get over the hump, win the coastal, and even compete to win an ACC championship in 2017? Well, injuries are number one. I mean, and we have a lot of weapons, just as a special offense, and the defense are now you know they're they're buying into many defense. So just injuries stay injury free and keeping guys has been you know doing what they do. You just got to stay injury free in order to continue to run this table. Mel, when you look at the matchup today in Chapel Hill against North Carolina, a team that hasn't won in the conference overall, I mean, you don't you worry as a Miami fan of the look ahead, yeah. looking ahead to Virginia Tech. What's the one thing Miami has to do to stay focused in order to pull this victory out later today? What Jimmy Johnson did, and, and Jimmy is just close to the program, he, he got on us more. He was more hard on these type of games. He, I mean, he treated this like the Super Bowl and the national championship. 
he stayed in our behind. I mean, he, he would really work the crap out of us and really get in our behind and make sure that we stay focused, don't let a trap game like this happen to us as far as loss. So I think the mindset what Mark Rick is doing, he, he's not taking this game lightly today at North Carolina. So trust me, they'll be prepared to go in and knock them out of the box and not have a, you know, a battle. Mel, talk a little bit about Braxton Berrios. I don't think he gets enough credit. To me, he's one of those heart and soul type players. I really enjoy watching him play. I like the energy he brings to the field. What have you seen in the uh, somewhat diminutive uh, wide receiver for Miami? No, Berrios is really, he's actually won two or three games for us. Like, that kid has a big heart, you know. And we, we were sitting in the, the box uh, last weekend. Everybody's like, that's a uh, Bel- Belichick kid right there. That's, uh, he'll be a patriot, you know what I'm saying, be able to take over Edelman and, and be in the slot, be able to do all the trash, dirty work that Edelman does. So he he fits that mindset. And he fits into the Canes uh, mindset, too. I love that kid, so I'm happy for the success that he's doing. So, no, nah, I mean, hats off to him. I, I think his father, somebody that was from Miami, they moved to North Carolina, so he's been a Cane fan since at birth. Mel, when you look at the facilities in Coral Gables and South Beach there for the Hurricanes for years, they didn't have the best of facilities, but the, the university's gotten the boosters to put a lot of money into the facilities for this team. How important was that uh, in luring Mark Rick to the program and, and what we see in terms of wins and losses? Well, I mean, we did it a long time not having the facilities, the whole deal. It just, you know, the heart and soul that we put in the work. But now to have that to compete with the Clemsons and, and, and Alabamas of the world, this is a blessing that Mark put a million dollars of his own money into this uh, program to be able to build his indoor facility. So that shows the character of Mark Rick, that he's uh, all on board to take a million dollars out of his pocket to put it down, and then all the other guys are starting to contribute left and right to build his facility. We need it to compete. Really, it's the mindset to implement. We, we did a whole lot with nothing. But in order to compete recruiting-wise, you have to have the, the whistles and bells in order to have that success. So they're pointing in the right direction right now. And they're headed the right way. Mel, great insight and information. Should Miami win the ACC, we'd love to get you on a little bit later in the year. Feel free to give me a call. You know, you, you're my guy. So whatever I can do, I'm more than happy, man. And great success to you guys. Keep doing your job. That was former standout running back for the U. Melvin Bratton, and I can tell you, you brought up Bernard Clark, Tiger Clark. I saw Bernard Clark dominate Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl, 1989. It looked like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, that, <laughs> that movie where they, where, they, where they ruined his car, remember? Yeah, and yeah. He, he, he was all over the football field. Yeah. That's what he did to Notre Dame in that matchup. Well, I mean, it brings back a lot of memories. I, I think when programs like Miami are getting back into the national spotlight, everybody wins. I know Florida State fans and Gator fans aren't going to want to hear that, but when the traditional powers, the aristocracy of college football, start to get back on the top. I think it's great for the sport. I love where Miami is headed. Don't think they're all the way back, but, man, they're headed in the right direction. This is all about momentum, and Mark is getting momentum on recruiting during the regular season. That's going to really benefit this team next year. Well, if they could somehow win the Coastal and get to the ACC championship game and possibly face defending national champion Clemson, should they be there, I mean, that would be a huge step for Mark Richt in the program. No doubt about it. When we come back, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. We'll get his picks for 3.30 and 8 o'clock. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonella, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. away from the 12 o'clock kicks. We're going to look at the Vegas angle. What better way to do that than with Game Time Decisions host, Gabe Morenci. Gabe, I know you're locked and loaded for 3.30, but there's a huge 12 o'clock battle. Louisville on the road in Wake Forest. They've won the last three by 14.3 points per game. I can't see any way the Cardinals lose this ball game. I think they win this ball game convincingly in about 20 minutes. But uh, it's, it's, it's a huge game. It's it's a game. It's a game. I agree, though. I, li- I like Louisville. Uh, I like Louisville here. I'll, I'll lay the points. I'm a big uh, Lamar Jackson fan. And, you know, it's funny. He gets criticized when they don't win. Somehow it's on him when if it's not for him, uh, you know, they, they're probably a two-win football team, essentially. But I, I do – I'll lay the two-and-a-half points with Louisville here. But I couldn't resist taking the Bernie Sanders shot there, uh, Joe. Uh, Gabe, uh, I, Joe and I love NC State, uh, possibly on the money line, certainly uh, with the seven and a half points. Uh, we have been spotless this season when we both agree on best bets. Can you make Ooh. it three for three? Can you make it three for three? Do you like the pack like we do? Well, you know what? Last night I cashed a ticket with uh, with Boston College uh, on the money line, so I've got money line fever. And we hit Cal. <laughs> Friday nights have been good for money line, so we're coming out swinging here. And you know what? My Twitter's been blowing up since the last segment um, about people telling me about Urban Meyer being fourteen and zero straight up off a of bye week. I'm like, yeah, I know. I just said that on national television fifteen minutes ago. You know, it's it's amazing. I better be careful, Marancy, you know, because of this stat. Yeah, I'm all aware of that. I'm also aware that Penn State's 14-1 uh, and uh, won against the spread since that Michigan game. This is the game I was talking about earlier, guys, which we have some live movement. Down to six and a half right now. NC State are only getting six and a half. I don't know. In the NFL, I, you know, you could call seven a key number. College football really doesn't have key numbers per se. Guys go for two off, and kickers will miss extra points uh, more so. Um, so I don't know if there's a key number here. You know, remember last year when these two teams played? It was very bad weather, and it, it, it's, it's going to rain again uh, this afternoon. So I think defense comes into play. Now, Notre Dame, I'm a big Notre Dame guy this year, and I'm not. it bothers me to say that because I'm not a Notre Dame fan, and I'm not a Kelly fan per se. But I tell you guys on a weekly basis, people underestimate this Notre Dame team. Now I think they're being a little bit overvalued uh, in this spot. I think the pressure is going to start to mount on them. I'm a big Wimbush fan. You know, the guy does a great job running the football. He doesn't turn the football over. Yet, um, you know, neither does Finley. 
And NC State, uh, they play so fundamentally sound. And I think they're going to win in the trenches. I think NC State and that NFL-caliber talent that they have on the front line are going to be able to slow down the Notre Dame rushing attack. I think they're going to force Wimbush to have to throw the football a little bit. I think it's going to be an ultra-close game. I wouldn't be, you know, that Notre Dame can win this game. Uh, but I think this game comes down to the wire. I don't think it's as high scoring as the odds makers think. I see the totals 59. I think this is a playoff-style football game. It is. It's an eliminator, essentially. It's an eliminator. i got to go with the six-rank uh, rush defense in college football. Uh, defense uh, wins championships. Defense covers point spreads. Defense covers this point spread today. Notre Dame's going to feel the pressure. And another thing, Notre Dame's 3-9 and nine against the spread the last 12 times uh, post-USC. I don't really feel there's a letdown here because Kelly understands. They understand every week's a playoff if you're Notre Dame right now. Uh, but without being stated, I think we got a really close football game. Comes down to the wire. Uh, give me the Wolfpack plus the six and a half, and give me the under, and give me the money line. Wow, we're all over NC State, all three of us. We've been great when we're all three of us have been on it, so we'll see how that game plays out at 3.30. Let's talk about some 8 o'clock. There's Texas Tech and Oklahoma and Georgia Tech and Clemson, Gabe. Which way are you leaning on those? Well, you know, I've been burnt. One of my biggest losses ever, actually. I'm not proud of it, but it was years ago. I think I bet $15,000 on Texas Tech. I put like 10,000 10, on Texas Tech and uh, like 5,000 on the over or so. Uh, long story short, I lost. And it's one of those games, one of those things you don't forget. I even remember where I was when I called it in. <laughs> so every time I see Texas Tech, Oklahoma, I'm always like, oh, God. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember that day. I, I remember that one. I think Michael Crabtree was on Texas Tech uh, in those days, actually. We're going back. We're going back a ways. That game was actually in Lubbock, though. That game was in Lubbock. It was a Saturday night game similar to this, this evening. I like the over of this football game. I, I don't see how we're not going to have a, a, a track meet and there's not going to be a ton of points uh, here. I'm tempted to take Texas Tech. You know, Joe, you know, their defense is a little bit better right now. They're running the ball a little bit more. They've done a better job of slowing games down a little bit. Uh, but Oklahoma have a history of really beating the crap out of these guys. And Oklahoma are in, you know, we must impress people mode on a weekly basis. So I, I'll bet the over of this uh, football game. But, you know, I want to talk about the world's uh, biggest uh, cocktail uh, party. I guess they don't call that anymore, but I will. All right. Just like it's it's not the Red River rivalry. It's the Red River shootout. Uh, you know, the Washington uh, – they changed the name from the Washington Bullets to the Washington Wizards. The less people get shot in Washington now because of that, no. I think we get a little crazy with these uh, these name changes. You know, it's funny they changed the name of the they changed the name of the basketball team, but they leave the Redskins. All <laughs> right, they leave the Redskins is fine, but we can't say the world's biggest uh, outdoor outdoor cocktail party. Uh, you know, listen, Florida's won the last three games. I know Georgia are a very good football team, but I'm a big believer in this, guys, that the undefeated teams are going to feel the pressure as the season goes on. We see this on a yearly basis. There's usually one, maybe two teams that are undefeated at the end of the year. Therefore, teams will lose as we go along. I'm not sure. I want to pull the trigger on the money line here with the Florida Gators. Uh, it's hard to do, but I, you gotta, I got to take 13 and a half points with this Gators defense. I think it's just one of these rivalry games where I throw the stats and, and the, the logic out. I'm taking the Florida Gators plus the points. 
Gabe, uh, looking at the rest of the schedule, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask if there are any nuggets outstanding, any other games that you're eyeing that our audience needs to hear about. You know, I'm so focused on the big games uh, today. Um, and, and with all due respect, it's not the greatest card. Uh, but you know, Bill Snyder's made a history out of uh, out of kicking the crap out of Kansas. They're laying 24. I just think it's a little bit uh, too high. A game that uh, I was talking with uh, with big man on campus last night uh, with who really knows his uh, college football, talking about App State. App State against uh, UMass. Earlier we were talking about betting on the higher profile teams today, but this, uh, this App State game is kind of flying under the radar here. I'll be willing to lay the points with App State against, uh, against UMass. I know UMass can move the ball a little bit, but I think this is, a, this is an overall talent uh, mismatch. Uh, in this spot. And it's funny, it's down to three and a half. I was just scrolling, looking for an updated line. Yeah, you know, if you want, lay minus 165 on the money line with App State if you think it's going to be a close game. But really, I mean, if we talk about the, the talent that's on the field, it's nowhere close. It's nowhere close. There's no reason why uh, App State can't go up there uh, to UMass and win this game by more than three and a half points. Gabe, how about the team that you back each and every week? Michigan, the disappointing loss in Happy Valley. They come back to the big house in Ann Arbor to face Rutgers, who got a very impressive victory over Purdue, 14-12. to They now go on the road. They've been dominated by the big three within the conference Rutgers has. Do you see Michigan covering this number a little bit later? I think I think we do. I think Harbaugh's going to be in a foul mood this week, guys, after uh... – after uh, idiots in the media, like me, have been calling them out. It's been a lot of talk. People are pointing out the fact that uh, the record's pretty much the same as it was with Brady Hoke there. People are pointing out the fact that Brady Hoke actually had a better record against Michigan State and Ohio State. There's been a lot of uh, it's been a lot of sizzle around Michigan, but let's see some steak. But as a Michigan fan, I'm aware of this. You know, the Fab Five never even won a Big Ten title <laughs> with all the hype. You know, they never even won. They didn't win anything. They never even won a damn Big Ten. Uh, championship, but I'll tell you what. I think this is where it gets ugly. We saw what happened last year with the 78 uh, points that they put up. They're not putting up 78. They've only scored 13 touchdowns all year, which is pathetic. Uh, O'Corn hasn't thrown a touchdown as a starter yet. I thought the, the offense was going to turn around uh, when he came in. Uh, you know, in, in McCaffrey, we trust Dylan McCaffrey next year, guys. Uh, but with that being stated, I think this one gets out of hand. I think Michigan flexes their muscle. Uh, here, I think, uh, you know, how do you please? We always talk about this. It's the ugly secret. Let's be real. How do you please the boosters? You cover point spreads. You know, you want to upset the boosters? You know, you don't cover the point spread against Rutgers. Uh, you know, it's 22. It came down from 24. I'll lay the wood here. Hail to the victor. Michigan wins by 30. Gabe, great stuff. We'll see you next week. Good luck today. Hey, let's get this, guys. Money line, money line. Let's get it. I love the fact that all three of us now are on NC State. Yeah. There's just something to talk about a little bit later, yeah. but I really feel it comes down to a physicality perspective. He did bring up Kansas. That's a nugget of mine. Oh, I really I like Kansas like in this ball yeah. game. Yeah. Plus 24. Kansas State's dominated that series, Rich. They've won eight straight by 30.2 points per game. I'm calling for the outright victory. The Sunflower Showdown. I victory. Was, really? Yes. Wow. David Beatty needs that. We talked a little bit about David Beatty at Kansas. Beatty, at some point, it's getting so hard in Lawrence. you got to wonder if he's sort of wondering what it would be like to be an offensive coordinator again. 
Yeah, well. I mean, they're just getting hammered. But you know what? It's a rivalry game. These types of games bring out the best. This is going to be their bowl game because they're not playing exactly. In the postseason. It's their Super Bowl, and you look yeah. at Kansas State over the last three weeks. They've allowed 362 passing yards per game. The strength of Kansas's offense is their quarterback Peyton Bender. They're averaging 210 passing yards per game, 21 points per game. They, they lost this ball game last year, 34 to 19. If if you're going to get the Jayhawks' best effort, it comes later today, and that's why I'm calling that's for the very right fair upset. Point. I'll be watching that closely. When we come back, we'll be giving our best bets. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. The award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network is your free fantasy source 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can catch this show and many others live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn Radio. Want to listen on your computer at work? Go to FNTSY.com slash radio or check us out on YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page where you can ask questions, discuss topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your questions on the air. The number is 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 days a year fantasy sports network of its kind without a subscription. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your fantasy source. Best bet time. Rich and I were 9-3 and three last week. We're going to continue the momentum. Let's get right into it. 3.30 kick. TCU and Iowa State. Cyclones ranked for the first time since 2005. I believe they get the outright victory later today, Rich. 28-23 over Kenny Hill and the crew. You know, for Gabe, the, uh, the operative phrase, the mantra was money line. So you might be a money line winner with Iowa State today. I like TCU to cover this game. I don't love it. It's not a best bet for me and i totally see your logic i love what matt campbell is doing in ames well let's stick with a best bet of yours it is utah on the road announcing stadium to face oregon i like utah not a best selection mm-hmm. of mine but you think they dominate later today yeah i mean listen i don't like the physicality of oregon they got shoved around the field by ucla another team i don't like and and for me tyler huntley the quarterback from utah tremendous amount of rust in his return last week i think you'll see a more complete a more polished product I think Utah bounces back in a big way at Alton Stadium. Wow. We'll see how that game plays out. It is a night kick in Oregon. Keep an eye out for that. Let's go to a game that we we feel both, all three of us feel very strongly about. It is Ryan Finley and the crew on the road in South Bend. I think they get the outright win 31-24. to An extra week of preparation is the difference, and I love Bradley Chubb to dominate this matchup. It's a great game for NFL scouts, Joe. Again, strength versus strength. I, I think NC State has the defensive front front seven to neutralize 
Notre Dame's go-to move, which is the running game. I think they can neutralize Josh Adams, prevent him from getting into the second and third level of the defense. I like NC State as well. No look-ahead factor against Clemson. Love them getting the points against Notre Dame. You and I were in when it was 7.5, so we're actually above a touchdown in this So one. we look good right now yeah. uh, on the road at about 3.30. We'll see how that game plays out. Here's one I really like. It's in about three minutes. It is Oklahoma State. They've won the last two over West Virginia by 14 points per game. I think it continues. Lackluster win last week in Austin. I think you erase that. They dominate by 14 points or more later today. I don't see it in Morgantown. West Virginia has been such a good home team. I think they can go toe-to-toe in an offensive shootout with Will Greer, David Sills, Gary Jennings. Again, this to me is a last team with the ball wins this kind of a game. Getting more than a touchdown, I take West Virginia. We both like Penn State. Not a best selection of mine, but it is you. You think they dominate Urban Meyer today. Yeah, I'm just not sold on Ohio State. I don't know what to expect from this program. The only times that they were tested week one against Indiana struggled. Week week two against Oklahoma, lost outright, really kind of evaporated in the second half. So I don't know what to expect from JT Barrett and Ohio State, but I know what to expect from Penn State. This is a complete football team. I think they show it with an outright victory in Columbus. Kansas has been outscored over the last three games, 153 to 19 or 44.6 points per game. It ends today, outright victory in Lawrence over Bill Snyder and the crew. Yeah, not one of my best bets, Joe, but I I like where you're going with this game. I could see Kansas getting up. This is going to be their uh, pooling weed eater bowl moment. Yeah, I mean, this is their opportunity. They're not playing in a bowl game, but uh, this could be their bowl game. Rivalry game. Kansas State has struggled lately. Uh, So I think you're on to something with the Jayhawks. I like Arizona State. Not a best selection of mine, but you, you love the Sun Devils later today. I do. It's the pressure of Phil Bennett's defense against a USC offensive line that is crumbling through attrition, injuries. They were dominated by Notre Dame. I think it continues. Arizona State takes over the lead in the Pac-12 South. Louisville dominates Wake Forest by 14 points or more later today. You like Texas Tech as a best selection. I do. I just think that Oklahoma looks ahead next week to Oklahoma State and that Sooner defense hasn't stopped anyone. That's a tough matchup against Texas Tech and Cliff Kingsbury. I like Northwestern. Rich loves Washington as our best bets. For Rich Sermonello, this is Joe Lisi. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the games. And for our great producers, Pete and Ashley, we'll see you next week.